0: A single soul. Up in you. Good everyone and welcome to today's Living Life. Which day of the week do you consider to be the first day of the week between Monday and Sunday? I think it would be Monday and Sunday for most if not everyone, right? Monday or Sunday. Technically, it should be Sunday. Sunday is technically the first day of the week and Saturday being the last. But personally, I actually have Monday as the start of my week and all my calendars, the digital calendars at least anyway, I set Monday as the first day of the week and then Sunday is the last day of the week because simply vocation, vocationally, my work kind of culminates towards Sunday. It is the climax of my week. It is the main, my main you know, quote unquote work day if you would excuse the expression. And then it resets after the Sunday. So um, you know, Monday I get to rest uh, you know, relatively and then it, that's the start and then again, kind of the workday begins on Tuesday and it culminates to Sunday and so on and so on as a pastor especially, but especially as a worship pastor is all well, involved in, you know, the Sunday, right? That's kind of my main thing that we go towards. Now, why is Sunday our worship day? Yeah, kind of a related question. And again, technically, because the script, you know, scripturally Sabbath, the Sabbath is actually on the Saturday as well. And that's why Saturday is the last day of the week. Now, the short answer, I'm sure some of you may be tempted to To go into some other tangent You know, kind of thing But the short answer is that uh, Sunday is our worship day Because Sunday is the day That Jesus rose from the dead Sunday morning So our Sunday worship Is the commemoration And the celebration of Jesus' death Especially his resurrection Circa 2000 years ago And this is similar uh, With what the Passover meant For the Israelites Many, many years ago as well So let's read the passage And then we'll continue
1: Exodus chapter 12, verses 14 through 28. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. For seven days you are to eat bread made without yeast. On the first day, remove the yeast from your houses. For whoever eats anything with yeast in it from the first day through the seventh must be cut off from Israel. On the first day, hold a sacred assembly, and another one on the seventh day. Do no work at all on these days, except to prepare food for everyone to eat. That is all you may do. Celebrate the festival of unleavened bread, because it was on this very day that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. In the first month, you are to eat bread made without yeast, from the evening of the fourteenth day until the evening of the twenty-first day. For seven days no yeast is to be found in your houses, and anyone, whether foreigner or native-born, who eats anything with yeast in it must be cut off from the community of Israel. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the doorframe. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, He will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe and will pass over that doorway, and He will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as He promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, What does the ceremony mean to you? Then tell them, It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. Then the people bowed down and worshiped. The Israelites did just what the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron.
0: As I continue, let me read verse 14 from today's passage. It says, "You are this, this is a day that you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. The annual Passover feast thereafter will be observed as a commemoration or celebration, it says. And this is a lasting ordinance. This is basically a commandment. For the generations to come, for every single Israelite to observe, it is the institution of a powerful and everlasting observance. You know, which shows God's love, which reminds people of God's love, and actually in, reenacted till the end of time. And the purpose of this celebration is clearly for the benefit of the generations who come later, who were not alive during the time of Exodus, who did not experience any of the hardship of slavery and then that thrill and exhilaration of rescue because slowly, as the generations and time pass, people will forget uh, what happened. So we have this ordinance to remind people, to reenact it if necessary, and actually it being necessary, to remind them. And earlier I talked about the modern Sunday worship And you know, for most people, you know, Christians included We think of this time as a time of learning You know, to learn about God, to hear about God And people think about service, um, Bible study, you know, um, discipleship, evangelism, and etc And these are things that we think about offering worship to God But really, it's kind of the things that we do The things that we experience and participate and take part in when I was in seminary a um, you know, couple, of, couple of years ago, I don't know exactly when, um, my mind was blown one class when the practical theology professor was talking about worship. And he said, um, and I, not exact quote, but paraphrased, worship is the reenactment of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me read that one more time. Worship is the reenactment of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Reenactment. When you think reenactment, we think like skits or like dramatized, you know, like a showing of what happened before. And this isn't really the way that we may consider worship. But in this way, our worship commemorates and celebrates what Jesus achieved so that people could have new life in and through him. And think about what we do for communion. This is a reenactment. My body broken for you. My blood poured out for you. Communion is our New Testament version of the Passover feast. And not just the communion, but the entire worship. Because our worship is not really like for God. Right? God doesn't need our worship to survive or anything like that It is actually for our benefit As we remember, reminded of who God is, what He has done for us And how He has saved us That He sent His one and only Son, His firstborn Son To die in our place to save us So we are to keep reminding ourselves and our children, as it says in verse 27 of today's passage, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt and spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. When God's only and firstborn son was struck down so that we may be passed over by God's righteous and just wrath, right? This is what worship really is all about and i want to talk about one more thing that's kind of more lighter on the lighter side from today's passage about unleavened bread about you know not using and not having any yeast i've always wondered about this uh in exodus um you know like what is the deal with the whole don't use yeast yeast you you know eat unleavened bread now New Testament, if you look at the New Testament, it is commonly, the yeast is commonly um, an allegory of sin, right? I think it was Paul that talks about how it is, you know, something invisible that can actually affect the whole part, um, you know, just from a tiny little bit of yeast, right? Now, but that allegory or that example illustration is not really fitting in today's passage or the Old Testament uh, setting, I feel. So, you know, I kind of did some brainstorming, thinking about, What's the deal with yeast, right what is so what is yeast? It's like a small thing that causes bread to rise, right? to get bubbles inside the you know I'm not a cook or a chef, so I don't really know the complications, but you know it causes bread, the flour uh, to rise to have bubbles and the bread thereafter becomes fluffy and soft. right But the thing so it's really great. it, it is a good thing. Yeast is a good thing. it makes bread yummy. Uh, bakery yummy. but it also makes it easily spoiled, right? It, goes, it gets rotten much more easily, um, much faster. And so it's basically a, a luxury. It's a thing of comfort that we love, but at the same time, it spoils easily uh, and it is very short-lived. Unleavened bread, on the other hand, is basically... You know, bread that is unrisen, that is unraised. There are no bubbles inside, there's no fluffiness. So it is harder, uh, it is dense, uh, it might be a little bit harder to eat and so forth, it is, but it lasts much, much longer. It's not as yummy, it's not as pleasant or nice, but it lasts so much longer that it's perfect for long journeys. And the Exodus, right? It's all about a journey. It is a really long journey that they were going on. And I think that for me, this reminded me that this world is not our home. Salvation is a journey. We're not meant to be getting too comfortable here. Even as we are saved in this world, we are saved from the world, we are not saved to, like, let our hair down and just kind of relax and be like, ah, you know, just lie down on the beach, you know, till we die. We are saved to go. Right? To be with God, to be like the Israelites. So, this world is not our conclusion. It is not our destination. Salvation is a journey. And we don't have time to wait for bread to become fluffy, you know, to wait for that bread to rise up. We need to start going. We need to go and we need bread that will last us for the journey, that can persevere with us, help us persevere. So, do you want to be saved for life, eternal life? Or do you want to enjoy? one loaf of raised bread, right? That is kind of the conclusion, I think. So for our application, I think two things from what I was talking about. And the first one that I kind of ended with is our salvation being a journey. You know, this has been kind of a big thing for me personally, that... You know our spiritual life is a journey we're not meant to kind of just settle down here and now that we have to fight we're on a journey and the things that we take you know that's why they were wearing the belt they had the rod in their hands as they were eating I think this is the way that we are meant to live in our spiritual life we should not be getting too comfortable so I think it's time for us to reflect am I comfortable am I too relaxed we should be tightening that belt holding that rod in our hands and packing unleavened bread instead of that soft fluffy croissant that tastes amazing but will rot pretty quickly right secondly is our worship it is not just something that we do Right, And you know, it's not something, we're not doing a huge favor for God But it is for our benefit For us to be reminded of what God did for us Every single time we worship Every song and every element of the worship Reminds us of what Christ did Of who Christ is for us And so this coming Sunday Or the next you know, home and family worship that you have Think about this It is the reenactment of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And let's realize that power and worship in spirit and truth. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for even the experiences um, of the Israelites uh, during this most dramatic time um, and the 10th and final plague. Uh, We thank you for the reminder that, Lord, this life is a journey, that we are not meant to settle and to be too comfortable here. May you remind us, Lord, and even bring us and prod us to a certain place of discomfort so that we can be reminded to strive and to run the race for you, that we are not at the finishing line yet. And may you revive our our worship, O God. May you help us to set our sights on you, uh, to be Christ-centered in all that we do, in the way that we worship, in the songs that we sing, and even our posture, Lord, our standing, our clothes, and everything, O God, our resources that we bring. May it be a sacrifice of praise in response to what your Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us. So we thank you for this day, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. For a single soul Reaching a further And stepping in close
1: A